You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, welcome once again to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. We are officially in the fall of the craziest year probably every person listening to this has experienced. 2020, praise God, everybody, it's almost over. We're in October of 2020. We hope you are enjoying uh, wherever God has you leading right now. That's the goal of this podcast is to equip you, to encourage you, to challenge you in different areas of leadership. And uh, we're just really grateful that you have tuned in, whether this is your first episode or uh, your 37th. Crazy. We've been doing this for 37 episodes, um, but we are really, really grateful for you carving out some time today to spend time with us. Just want to get some housekeeping out of the way. If you didn't know, um, the, the man behind this podcast, Vance has a book um, and it is available for you to purchase. It is called Unburdened and I highly encourage you to go grab that book if you haven't already. We've gotten a lot of feedback and a lot of people have grabbed the book, but just want to say thank you for that. And uh, yeah, like we said, if, if you like what we're doing on this podcast, you can always rate and review us. Uh, obviously, five stars is greatly appreciated. Uh, share it on social media. We love just to kind of hear how God is using this podcast in, in leaders' lives all over the country and all over the world. Um, so enough of the housekeeping. We need to jump into another great episode worth of content. And I am sitting down here, as I say, every single month with the man, the myth, the legend, my pastor, my mentor, my friend. Vance Pittman. Vance, happy happy birthday month, man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, man. What are you, like 64? Or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels like it. I'll be honest. It feels like it. No, this is my last year in the 40s. I'll be 49. So a new decade uh, will be beginning for me. Uh, but yeah, no, things are great. Uh, it's 2020, like you said. I mean, this is the year that will forever live in infamy. Uh, in the world, really, but particularly for us here in the United States. But thankfully, at least, you know, we got sports back in our lives. I mean, football's being played, basketball championships, Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, If I'm not crazy, I saw an ad on television where they're actually going to have the Masters golf tournament in November. Mm. They're going to have that come around this year. So, a lot of, you know, that's at least something to grab a hold of and enjoy with a little bit of normalcy here in 2020. Uh, so yeah, that's where I'm living. So today we're really excited. If you've been following the podcast for any length of time, we we try to mix up the episodes. We'll have guests. Last last month we had Pastor Kike Torres, um, but it's all it's all centered on leadership in different capacities. Obviously, this is a leadership podcast, and uh, today's episode is one of those ones where maybe you were a little hesitant to maybe like the social media one a couple months ago, hesitant to click on because it's kind of where at some point in leadership we all feel it. Um, it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. There's not many books written about it, but um, it, it's a very important topic for leaders. And, and Vance, I'll kind of let you cue it up. What is it? People saw it on the in the uh, um, in the title, but what is it that we're talking about today? And why do you think it's important? Yeah, well, we're, we're going to be talking about comparison today and the trap of comparison, and it's important because it's something that every leader does. I mean, we compare our situation to somebody else's. We compare our success, our failure, our good days, our bad days to other people. And comparison can be very dangerous. And it really 
hit home for me uh, about eight, nine years ago. God really, uh, it was actually one of those mornings where you're with the Lord that was deeply transformational while at the same time very painful. Um, so I want to just begin, no matter where you are in leadership, um, I want you to kind of answer this question or, or think about this this thought. Have you ever been, or maybe even now, you're in a situation in your leadership um, maybe it's in your health, maybe it's in your family, it's in your finances, your job, but something is hard, something is difficult, something isn't going the way you thought it was going to go, and you're asking the question, why me? Um, why is this the situation that I'm in? Or maybe you're kind of the opposite. Maybe you're in one of those difficult situations and you're looking at somebody else succeed. Maybe it's you've seen some posts on social media. You've been on Instagram or Facebook and somebody's posting about their success because you know when you watch, when you get on social media, you're getting somebody else's highlight reel and you're comparing your worst day to their highlight reel and they look. it looks like everything's better in their situation. The grass is so much greener and the question you're asking is, why not me? Uh, why is that not happening to me? And what it really is is that that temptation of comparison where we're, we're dealing with um, comparing our situation to somebody else's. And if we're going to be honest, all of us have been there, not just once or twice, but many times in our lives. And particularly right now in this year of 2020, when so many people are facing really difficult circumstances that maybe we've never been in before, it's so easy to look at other people's situation and just think, man, why is my situation not like their situation? But for me, it really hit home, Scott. Back about eight or nine years ago, you know, Las Vegas went through in 2009, 2010, what the rest of America did. The last kind of real difficult season for America was back then. It was the economic collapse, the housing bubble. And when that happened, Las Vegas was kind of at the tip of the spear of the burst of that bubble. Um, we were about 10 years old as a church and... Uh, man, we'd experienced 10 years of just incredible prosperity, growth, blessing, favor. Not that we didn't have our challenges in the first 10 years. We did. But from the outside looking in, man, numerically, everything was just up, up, up. The housing market hits. And, man, everything just collapses in Vegas. We lost 30% of our fellowship, had to lay off 30% of our staff, cut 30% of our budget in about six months. Uh, at the same time, in 2000. Uh, 10, I was elected to be the president of the pastors conference for our denomination, which was an event for eight or 10,000 pastors that I was challenged to put together and host. And so 2011 comes and I'm hosting this event. I even go to that event. I mean, literally kind of in the dumps because things here were falling apart. We were trying to build a permanent campus. We weren't even, we were meeting in a public high school, um, Everything was just falling apart from the economic collapse. I go to this conference, and I'm with these thousands of pastors that are in these situations where it seems like everything's just glorious and wonderful, and um, I just left that conference. I left that time and went on sabbatical just really in one of those moments of comparing everybody else's situation to my situation and really feeling that woe is me. Mm -hmm. You know, why is why? 
why is our church struggling? I mean, it's not like we don't, we'd given away millions of dollars to missions. We'd planted dozens of churches by that point. We were engaging in our city. We were doing everything I thought Jesus called us to do. And yet it felt like everything was falling apart. Nothing was happening the way I thought it should. Everything was just harder than it seemed like it should have been. And I went on sabbatical, honestly, pouting. I was kind of mad at God. I'd compared my situation to everybody else's. And one morning, I was just before the Lord with this why me attitude, and I read some verses that just rocked my world. And I want to share a few thoughts out of those verses. It's John chapter 21, verses 18 uh, and following. And it's that scene where Jesus has already experienced his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's having this one final appearance in the Gospel of John with some of the disciples on a shore. And he's gone through the questions with Peter, do you love me, and and that back and forth with Peter. And then after that, in verse 18, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he, w- this he said, signifying by what kind of death he, Peter, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the other disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this guy? What about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So that's the text we're going to look at today. And again, I think this is going to be really, really, really encouraging for you as a leader. But before we even go there, Vance, as you were just kind of sharing your heart and sharing your story, I just want to pause there because I know, I mean, here we are sitting on your podcast, the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. And I just think, as you were just talking, I was thinking about the pastor right now that's driving down the road listening to this or sitting in his office or, or getting ready to get on her Zoom call or whatever. And thinking no way has Vance ever felt that way. And that's exactly how they feel right now. And I I don't know. I was just encouraging to think people hear a podcast and got your book in their hands and think, man, they've always thought the exact way you were thinking about all those guys at the pastor's conference. So here's all these guys that got it all together. So first of all, I just, I want to say thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people hear a podcast like this and think, man, Vance is on the top of his game and Praise God of all the things that he's allowed you to be a part of. But I think it's encouraging to, like if right now you're listening to this and you are in the dumps and you're thinking, woe is me. Just know that every leader has gone through that. Here, here's a guy that you're listening to his podcast and he's telling you of a story of just a few years ago, a lot going seemingly wrong in ministry and going, man, God, what's going on? And I love that you said, I went on sabbatical pouting. I think a lot of people have felt that. Yeah. And so I just yeah. think that's encouraging for people who, who may be, uh, put you at, on a pedestal, if you will, as somebody who probably has never struggled. And it's like, no, man, like this is leadership yeah. 101 is there's highs, there's lows. And a lot of times if we're not careful, we hear a podcast like this and we think, well, the guy with the podcast and the guy with the book is probably always on a high. And it's just not true. And no. I think it's really cool that you just said that. So that's that was totally. No, I, think, I think that's a great point, Scott. And I would just add to that. And I'm not 
Yeah, I, this is genuine sincerity. I'm, I'm, this is, I've, you've heard me say this before. Um, I've been at Hope now for 20 years uh, pastoring this church, but literally there have been a thousand times I would have quit. Mm. There have at least been a thousand days over the last 20 years when I would have hung it up and done something else because I looked at it and it was just hard. It just didn't seem like it was working. It seemed like what I thought God wanted to do and the way he was doing it didn't go together. And I'd have quit a thousand times, but I keep coming back to, and I'm not really going to talk about this in the podcast, but I think this is an important point. Um, I, I didn't quit because I couldn't stop what I didn't start. Mm. If I'd chosen to do this, I'd choose to do something else. But it's what I've been, it's what he called me to. And that's really what you're hearing here in this this conversation with Peter is this call to follow Jesus. And when you realize you've been called and the leadership role, whether it's in the church or in society, in the community, wherever it is, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you should be able to know, man, the, what I'm doing with my life, the way I'm leveraging my leadership is in response to what I've heard God say. And if you've heard God say that, you can't stop what you didn't start. Um, the safest, the the surest, the securest place to be is in the center of God's will. So, um, yeah, that's a great point, Scott. Great point, and one that I think is well made. So we are going to take that passage of scripture back to kind of on topic now of John twenty one. And what we want to do in this podcast is give you, as a leader, no matter if you're right now on a high or a low, we're all in this comparison culture. It's just the world we live in. Four truths in the midst of the comparison trap. Yeah. So if you're asking either one of those questions, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is my situation so bad? Or why not me? Why can't I have that? Why can't I experience that? Here are four truths you need to kind of wrap your heart around out of this text. Number one, God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. Jesus, what he does here in this text is he gives Peter kind of a sneak peek. He shows him, he foretells some of the plan for his life. Now, there's a lot about your plan, the, the plan that God has for your life, the plan that God has for my life. There's a lot about that that we're uncertain about, for sure. There's a lot of uncertainty. But there are at least two things that we learn in this text of Scripture we can know for absolute certainty about the plan that God has for you. Number one, the plan that God has for your life is for His glory. Jesus described part of the plan for Peter's life, and he's really describing how he was going to die. But he makes it very clear uh, that his plan would glorify God. It says that in verse 19. It says he was signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. That word glorify means to tell, to make known, to declare, to display the glory. And the bottom line is that you and I were made for the glory of God. And in our day of man-centered Christianity, we like to think that God exists for us. And it's always about our happiness, our needs, our wants, our help. But the truth is that we exist for the glory of God. There's a verse of scripture that really summarizes this out of Romans chapter 11, verse 36. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. But it says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him and all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Amen. So be it. 
the ultimate purpose of our lives is the glory of God. And here's really the application for you as a leader. Um, If you think about this like a movie or like a play, as a leader, you and I are not the lead role in the story of our lives. We are simply members of the supporting cast. Why is that important? Because if you study theater, the role of the supporting cast in a movie or a play or a book or a novel is simply to reveal more depth about the main character. The only reason the supporting cast is there is to reveal more of the depth of the character that is central to the story. In the story of our lives, God is the center of the story. His glory is what it's ultimately all about. And everything that's happening in my life right now, whatever I'm facing as a leader is happening to reveal more depth of the glory and the majesty of God. But here's the beauty of this. When God is most glorified, your life and my life are most satisfied. That's why in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. When we're living out his purpose, it's also for our good. And that word good means best. It means that, that God's plan for my life is not only for his glory, But the second thing we know for sure is that God's plan is for our good, that it's for our best, that it's the best possible life we can experience. So when I'm sitting here comparing myself to somebody else and saying, woe is me, what I'm really doing is I'm I'm really dissing, if you will, on the very best that God has for me that's ultimately going to bring him the most glory. So as you lead, I mean, this is just so great to start this conversation as you're leading, whatever you're leading, like I loved how you said that the supporting cast, like you could be the top of the organizational chart, but the reality is you're still a supporting cast member in in the ultimately God's story. And so the question is you and I have to ask as leaders is, do, do you lead that way? Do you lead like you're the point? Or do you lead in such a way that your team knows you serve a higher authority, that you exist? It's kind of the the picture that Jesus gives us when, I mean, here's the God of the universe and he gets down to wash his disciples' feet and they look at him like, how, no way, right? Like what a a picture of servant leadership. For sure. Um, And so in the midst of the comparison trap, God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. That's a great place to start. We're going to continue this conversation and kind of get more to this idea of comparison, but that's a great place to start. What's the second thing, Vince? Well, and just I would say to, to kind of wrap that, Scott, what we're really say is, what we're really saying is when you're when you're in one of those situations where you're comparing yours to somebody else's, why me, why not me? It starts with just trusting that this God who loves you has a plan. And it's not only the best plan for your life, it's the plan that is ultimately going to bring him the most glory. But the second thing is this, the plan that God has for you is experienced through your time alone with him. I love the simplicity with which Jesus directs Peter. I mean, Jesus just lays out, hey, Peter, when you were younger, it used to be like this. But when you grow old, they're going to stretch out your hands. They're going to take you where you don't want to go. And you're going to die a death for my glory. And Jesus gives him these instructions. So, Peter, here's how you get in on it. Follow me. There were no steps. There were no classes to take. There were no degrees to earn. The prescription was simply, Peter, 
to get in on the plan, here's the way. Follow me. Uh, Spiros Zodiates is a Greek scholar that I love to study and read his research and his writings. Zodiates says this word follow describes abiding fellowship with the Father. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not a system. It's, it's fellowship. Here's what Jesus said. You want to know the plan? Here's the way to the plan. Follow me. Mm. And when the invitation is to follow him, we understand um, that it's the same thing Paul talked about when he said the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Here, here's the application. Everything God desires through your life as a leader and in every area of your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of what he's doing in your life as you pursue fellowship with him. I may not always know the plan. I may not always understand the plan, but I know the one who does, and he said, follow me. Uh, Scott, a few times over the last few years, I've been to the country of India, and India is one of those countries that is, is overwhelming just because of the mere population. Um, when I've been to India, I've just been overwhelmed. For example, the, the place we go often is a state uh, that is the same size of the state of Nevada. In the state of Nevada, we have about 3.3 million people. Mm-hmm. That same state in India has 100 million people. So when you get off the plane, there's just this, you're just overwhelmed with the vastness mm-hmm. of people. And I go there, and I go there with uh, some, some partners that we work with on the field. And there are times when we're out in the uh, open square, we're out in the markets, we're out in the red light districts, and we're doing ministry. And there are times where there's just so many people that he'll start walking, and the person that I'm with will say, hey, Vance, just follow me. And here's the deal. In that moment, I have one aim. Never lose sight Mm. of that guy. God has a plan for your life. Here's the one aim. Just don't lose sight of him. Mm. Just pursue him. The way to see the plan happen, the way to enjoy the most glory for God and the most goodness for your life is to simply follow him. In our Overconnected world. Here's an application. In our overconnected world, we sometimes can be wooed away from following Jesus and focus on who's following us, or focus on the situation and the circumstance, or focus on the comparison to somebody else's work. But the bottom line is, Jesus said, Here's the way to the plan. You follow me. Vince, so you shared a couple, just real quick, you yeah. shared a couple uh with our church and 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 with me and just kind of God's been this is this is something as, as your platform grows is there's just been a few things that God's kind of put on your heart to kind of instill again I want people to hear this you're not immune to any of this stuff we're talking about you haven't yeah. arrived so just as an encouragement because I think this specifically I think is is the people that are listening this may be really hard because they're feeling that like man when I wake up I could read a leadership book I could listen to a podcast I could I could start making plans for my team and I'm being wooed away from the intimacy with Jesus what are what are a couple of things you've put in your life uh, just as 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 boundaries and safeguards to make sure that this isn't a temptation in your life or at least you fight that temptation in your well life? two two very practical things I've done in the last month in my life one is um, I just realized that my phone was the the information and the noise that I allow into my life through my phone 
was overwhelming me. And often much of the battle of the temptation of comparison that was in my life was comparison to things I saw via posts, via tweets, via Instagram, via what one of those ways that 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 that, that was bombarding my life. So one of the things I did um, is I went out and bought an, uh, something that you know a lot of millennials don't even know what this is, but I bought an alarm clock. <laughs> uh, it's uh, a clock that you actually use to wake you up in the morning because I was terrible about I plug my phone in, put it on my nightstand mm-hmm. at night. Uh, last thing I looked at at night was my phone. First thing I looked at in the morning was my phone, inundated with noise and comparison. And so now I plug my phone in, in my office. When I go up to bed at night, be that 8.30, 9.30, whenever Christian and I go upstairs for the night, retire to the bedroom, the phone stays in the office. And I don't pick it back up until the next morning. And here's the second thing I did. Even the next morning, I, don't, I had to fight the temptation to run downstairs and grab it. So I just established the principle, no outside input until God time. So I don't get on, I don't get online. I don't get on the internet. I don't get on the phone until I've been alone with Jesus because my heart is so wicked. I need Jesus before I get the noise of culture. Otherwise I'm going to be seduced away to the game of comparison. Um, But it's really born out of this understanding of what he said to Peter the plan is experienced through time alone with him. If I really today want to live out God's purpose and plan for my life, there's only one way to do it. Follow me. So God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. This plan is experienced through time with him. What's that third one? The third one is sometimes God's plan seems jacked up <laughs> from our perspective. Uh, let's just be honest. I mean, when Peter heard Jesus say, hey, here's the plan. You're not going to go where you want to go. They're going to bind your hands, and you're going to die a cruel death. Peter's response was, uh, excuse me, Jesus, I think you got my order mixed up with somebody else's. Remember, I'm the guy who's going to lead the movement. I'm the guy who's going to preach on the day of Pentecost. I'm the guy that's going to be used to be one of the cornerstones of the church. I don't really think that's my order. I think that must be somebody else's plan. That cannot be the plan that you have for me because what Jesus described was not Peter was not what Peter had envisioned. And I don't know as you're listening to this, what leadership role you're in, but I have to believe there are days when you think, uh, God, Hmm. you messed up my order. Um, this is not what I expected when I signed up for this. This is not the plan that I thought was going to be carried out. And it reminded me, Scott, when I was a kid, uh, my mom was big into something that's not real popular today, but it's called cross-stitching. Uh, it was a form of sewing where she would sit down with this, um, all this, this string and this circle, and she would put some material in the circle, and I would be on the floor playing, and she would be running these needles and thread, and from the bottom looking up at that, it just looked like thread going every. I mean, it looked like hmm. absolute chaos from my perspective. But when she would flip it over from the side that she was looking at, there was this beautiful piece of artwork. It was usually a, 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 a decorative section of scripture or something that she was cross-stitching into that frame. From my perspective, it was a mess. From her perspective, it was an artistic masterpiece. And the reality is, that's the way it is in our lives. Oftentimes, what we're seeing in our life is that perspective from the underneath of the cross-stitch board. And it looks chaotic. 
But we have a God who has a plan for his glory that's our good, and if we'll follow him. And it reminded me, I read a, a devotional out of um, Oswald Chambers. Uh, it's actually the August 5th devotional out of Oswald Chambers. But listen to what uh, he said. He said, God called Jesus Christ to what seemed absolute disaster. His life was an absolute failure from every standpoint except God's. But what seemed to be failure from man's standpoint was a triumph from God's standpoint because God's purpose is never the same as man's purpose. And you know what he's talking about. He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the whole life of Jesus. I mean, the disciples went to the cross, and the disciples so saw the cross as failure, they all ran. They thought the cross was the end of the journey. They thought the wheels had come off. They thought it was tragedy. Now, we look back at that because we live on this side of the cross. I'm like, are you kidding me? The cross is everything. But they only saw the cross from Friday. They'd not yet seen Sunday. And some of you in leadership right now that are listening to this, you're living a Friday moment. You're living a moment in your life that looks like the Friday of crucifixion. It's bloody. It's ugly. You don't want to look at it. But here's what I can promise you. There is a Sunday coming. God's plan and purpose always finishes in that resurrection Sunday morning. And your perspective is limited, and there will be times that it seems like it's totally out of control. That's awesome. Man, this is, I have a feeling sometimes when we record these, you just feel like, man, people are going to have to sit with this for a minute because this is such good stuff. We're going a little long today, but we're almost finished. And don't skip ahead because the next one is really going to help you out. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life. This plan is experienced through time with him. Sometimes, let's be honest, God's plan seems jacked up from our perspective. What's that fourth and final truth for our listeners today, Vince? Well, it's really just this, that the great obstacle to experiencing God's plan in your life is the temptation of comparison. And it's exactly what Peter does. So Jesus says, here's the plan, Peter. You follow me. And the text says that Peter turns around and he sees John. John's writing it, so he calls him the disciple whom Jesus loved, but he's talking about himself. Peter looks around, and he sees John. And Peter's just gotten this news from Jesus about this plan that looks messed up to him, and he looks around, and he sees John, and he says to Jesus, uh, what about John? And what he's in essence saying is, why not him? Why me? Why are you not giving this plan to that guy? Um, and I love Jesus's response. It's really hyperbole. It's such hyperbole. There were even people that heard Jesus say this that thought what he meant was John would never die. Jesus said, Peter, if I want John to remain until I come. What he was really saying to Peter was, Peter, if I want John to jump over the moon, what does that have to do with you? And it's as if he reached up and he grabbed Peter on both sides of his face and pulled him in close. And he said, Peter, if I want John to jump over the moon, what does that have to do with you? You follow me. And that morning when I was sitting there back in 2011 in my God time reading this, wrestling with all this stuff in my heart, it seemed like the ministry I'd given a decade of my life to was falling apart. I didn't even know if when I came back off sabbatical, we would have a future as a fellowship. It seemed that dark. And I was 
in that pouting, whining, looking at everybody else and going, why me? It was as if Jesus grabbed both sides of my face and said, Vance, if I want them to jump over the moon, what does that have to do with you? You follow me. Because as you follow me, here's what I can promise you. It's going to be for your good. And it's going to bring me the most glory. Well, leaders, I hope you are encouraged by that, man. So as you, as you are in your leadership, again, you could be on a high right now. You could be in a low right now. But we've all been there. We open up Instagram after a long day. And whether... You had the best day of leadership or the worst day of leadership. There's always somebody that has it better than you or worse than you. And so I hope this has been encouraging for you to just understand. Maybe that's what God's saying to you right now. Grabbing you by both sides of the face and saying, follow me. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about that ministry or that business or that responsibility. Uh, As hard as it seems sometimes in the midst of the comparison trap, you can trust as you follow him. He's doing a work in you for his glory and for your Good. And so, Vance, anything else you kind of leave our leaders with? This has been some gold, man. I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your vulnerability. Anything else as we kind of finish up today you'd leave our leaders with? I would just say this. I know that we're living in the COVID-19 era. I know 2020 is one of those years. So I know if you're a pastor, uh, I've seen the stats of pastors on the brink of quitting. Uh, I know if you're a small business owner, um, Man, you're struggling right now. I know in a lot of cities, like our city, it seems like all the big box stores are open and all the small businesses are struggling. Uh, If you're a school teacher, if you're a leader in school and education right now, it's unlike any of you you've ever faced. And the temptation is to compare this to everything else. And here's what I would say in closing. The moment you begin to find your identity in anything other than Jesus, you're in the danger zone for the comparison trap you got to just find your identity in Christ and know that even though it looks jacked up right now, he's got a plan. It's for our good. It's for his glory. And the way into it is to follow him. That's awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, if you have questions, I mean, Vance loves... We love to kind of hear from you guys online on social media. You can find us uh, just at Vance Pittman on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, let us know how this impacted you. Leave comments in the comment section. Um, share this with some friends. Email us. Let us know. Uh, all that information will be in the show notes. We love to kind of get feedback. Uh, but, man, this has been uh, a great time. I hope it's been encouraging for you as it has been for me just sitting here listening to Vance in his office. Um, and I can't wait for another episode in November of 2020 on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. We'll see you next month. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.